0: Good morning, and welcome to Back Chat with uh, Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And on a Back Chat this morning, um, we're talking about uh, pet relocation uh, with the uh, limited flights in and out of uh, Hong Kong. What is the situation like now for people wanting to move with their pets? As I mentioned earlier, if you have a personal experience of this or if you want to comment or ask a question, uh, feel free to get in touch. you leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 266. And we have uh, two guests uh, with us now. Uh, Dr. Jerry Powell, a veterinarian uh, from uh, Pet Pet Export Vet. Uh, Now, that is a company which provides relocation services, Pet Export Vet. And uh, he's also on the executive board of the International Pet and Animal Transportation Association. And also with us is uh, Sally Anderson, founder of uh, Hong Kong Dog Rescue. Um, Good morning to you both. Uh, Perhaps, uh, uh, Dr. Powell, if we could speak to you first. Um, Hello, thanks for joining us.
1: Yes, hello, good morning, Jim. Thanks for inviting me on the show. You're
0: welcome. So um, have you seen uh, a big increase uh, in recent months uh, for the services that you provide?
1: Given the, the increase in services has been going on for quite some time now. In fact, uh, even before the COVID uh, crisis uh, started, um, uh, we were starting to see an increase in the number of uh, people interested in pet relocation services out of Hong Kong, and it's uh, just been getting uh, more and more. To be honest,
0: uh, so for how long? For how long have you seen that going on? That trend?
1: Well, well, start of. 2020, um, mm. and even probably before that as well. Uh, we've just seen uh, uh, that increasing trend, and you know uh, we've probably seen a, a threefold number of mm. inquiries, mm. and that's just continued through even to this point. Mm.
2: So, what's the situation now? Because I, I know from having to do it myself and anecdotally, that the rates have gone through the ceiling. Uh, the restricted number of flights mean that either in cargo, which is one way to fly your pet out of here, or as excess baggage, the opportunities to do that are severely limited. So what is the situation right now if you want to relocate your pet, say, to Australia or the UK or the US?
1: Well, it's, uh, Banner, it's uh, interesting you said the UK and Australia, they're, they're both uh, the, the two number one destinations for my company uh, mm-hmm. with inquiries. And both for both those destinations and, and many more, it's still extremely difficult. So the airlines have been hurting for a long time now, and uh, you know they've uh, been suffering um, with reduced routings and government restrictions. And so, still at this point, for Hong Kong, we're finding very, very limited opportunities to get animals onto flights. So the situation is, we've got a backlog of quite a number of animals to, to various destinations uh, so what, what's the wait to...
2: list now if you want to fly to the uk and you're trying to book a ticket how far ahead would you have to plan to get yourself and your pet on the same flight
1: well very hard to say because <clears throat> for example uh, british airways um, are not accepting any pets at all at the moment and they've not given an indication yet as to when they're going to start accepting pets again well because they're not
0: flying the... are they <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they're yeah, they're not flying they're... to uk at the moment yeah,
1: that's right so we're not anything there and Cafe have got very limited uh, options. So you'd, you'd be looking, you know, probably two to three months at least to um, get something. But it's it's hard to crystal ball this because, you know, there's, there's no sort of hard um, uh, facts from the airlines as to when they're going to restart and what's going on. So it's a bit of a holding pattern to be honest.
2: Now, which, which airlines will allow you to take a small pet in a carry box under your seat? I know there's a maximum of eight kilos, including the box. Which airlines will allow that?
1: Uh, there's quite a few of the European airlines that will uh, accept in-cabin travel. They call it in-cabin, and uh, yes, they do need to be smaller animals. Um, so a lot of the European airlines are still accepting them. I mean, I it's, it's, say to my clients that, you know, with a long journey, we're a 10 or 11-hour journey in cabin, it's quite a, a difficult thing to obviously manage your pet in those things. So I, I don't recommend it, to be honest. I prefer that they would go into the cargo hold, which is, you know, cabin, uh, which has obviously got climate control and gives them more ability to move around. But I do understand people are wanting to get out any way they can. And I certainly have clients who have gone in cabin. Um, but, uh, and... Uh, but yeah, so a lot of the European arms are still accepting in
2: cabin. All right. So, so, Sally Anderson, you, you founded Hong Kong Dog Rescue. And I know that you've been dealing with, from reading your blog every day, a lot of people who are, shall we put it politely, um, surrendering their animals rather than take them with them. How bad is that problem?
3: Uh, well, obviously, we've always uh, got people surrendering their pets for whatever reason. Um, but it has increased. Tremendously since this problem started with with, uh, getting dogs on flights. Um, Some, you know, I think are genuine. Um, People have really, really tried and failed. And and other people are are really taking advantage of the situation and and just using it as an excuse. But definitely um, there's been an increase.
2: And do you see people are leaving their dogs in a kind of foster situation and going ahead, hoping to fly their pet later? Or are they just abandoning them?
3: That's one thing. But then again, um, many times we've seen dogs that have been fostered uh, with promises of, you know, we'll bring them over when we're settled and all the rest or when we can get a flight. And then the foster being left literally holding the baby, you know, and then (laughs) it's... uh, having to surrender to um, HKDR or any other organisation that will take them. But the, the number of um, animal rescue groups that can take the dogs is it's just it's becoming very, very hard for everybody.
2: So what's your message to people who think, oh, well, I can always give my dog to Hong Kong Dog Rescue or LAP or one of the animal rescues if I can't take it with me? What's your message for them?
3: Well, obviously we want to, I mean, people who adopt, well, I, I should go back to the beginning. You know, it, it's if you get a dog, you have to understand or, or accept that it's a family member. So just as you wouldn't say, well, it's a bit difficult and expensive to fly our children with us, you, you've got to consider the dogs uh, as part of your family and do everything that you can you know, I do appreciate that there are situations, especially now, when it it really is impossible. Especially going to countries like Australia, where it's difficult to get dogs in at the best of times. But um, the, a dog is a commitment, really, as part of your family.
2: Right, and and what do pets suffer through being abandoned like this?
3: Well, they, they you know, animals bond with their human family in the same way that they would bond with as part of uh, a pack, you know, in nature. So obviously losing that their family is um, extremely difficult. Some dogs, you know, depending on their character um, and how confident they are, some dogs adapt fairly quickly. Other dogs really take a long time to... um, Get over it. It's, it's like a grief, or or that you would have with a human. You know, it, it's they, they're losing something that really means a lot to them. So it can be uh, quite devastating for some dogs. Mm.
0: Uh, Jerry Powell, I know you can only be with us uh, till nine fifteen. Um, what, what, what advice would you give to people who are lo- looking to uh, leave for a long time or to relocate and want to take their pet uh, pet with them?
1: Well, my, my advice, Jim, would be to Start for planning early and mm-hmm. uh, understand fully what the uh, regulations are for the country that you're going to, into. As Sally mentioned, uh, countries like Australia, you can be looking at, uh, you know, six to seven month lead time in preparation for export. So it's, it's really important that you do understand the, the regulations for importation for the country that you're considering to go to and um, and seek professional advice on that.
0: So, yeah, I mean, different places require different kinds of uh, certification. Is that right?
1: It's not only certification, Jim. Some countries actually require a a raft of of blood tests um, Mm. and also vaccinations and uh, uh, also parasite treatments and import permits, it's a, it, some countries are quite complicated. And,
2: and on that point, for anyone looking at going into the EU versus the UK, since Brexit those regulations have changed and you only have a 72-hour window to get your pet from Hong Kong into the UK now, I think, uh, before you have to redo all the worming and the tests again. So you, that's not allowing for any delay in transit. Can you explain about what I hear many people are doing um which is the pet taxi option which is you fly into frankfurt or amsterdam or paris and then a pet taxi takes your dog uh, back to the uk through the tunnel is is that being used a lot
1: yes anna that's true in fact the um treatment uh, timing for dogs going into the uk is actually 120 hours or five days so that's actually not changed but still you've got to consider that when you're Planning your export, then we, we've uh, sent quite a few of our clients to the UK through, uh, in particular uh, Frankfurt with um, Lufthansa and also KLM through Amsterdam, and then a pet taxi service to take them on through the tunnel into their destination, and that's that's been working quite well. It's obviously a lot more complicated than a direct flight, but given the current situation, uh, as I say, some uh, we've got clients who are. Wanting to find any particular way, because uh, you know they are members of the family, and you know responsible pet owners will do everything they can to try and find a solution. And uh, you know, companies like ours are there to try and help facilitate that.
0: Okay, well, thanks for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. That, uh, that was uh, Dr. Jerry Powell, who's a, a vet, and, uh, and he's uh, with uh, Pet Export Vet, and that, which is a company providing relocation services uh, and is also on the executive board of the International Pet and Animal Transportation Association. Um, Sally Anderson is still with us and we will be joined uh, in a moment uh, by another guest uh, on the line. Um, Sally Anderson, I mean, you were talking about dogs and the importance of... Uh, uh, treating a dog as one of a family, and 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 dogs are pack animals, and they and they belong to the family group. Um, um, but, but do you have any uh, dealings with cats at all? I mean, cats are a, a different proposition, aren't they? Oh uh, yeah, we,
3: we don't um, we don't handle cats. Mm. Uh, fortunately, I don't yeah. think we could take in any other animal. But, <laughs> yeah, but
4: sorry, uh,
3: yeah, I mean, cats. I mean, cats are also family, but um, yes, slightly different. Different from dogs,
0: mm. Mm. yeah. Um, are you managing to cope at the moment with the uh, you know the, the increased you know the increased demand for taking care of stray dogs or abandoned uh, well, dogs? It,
3: yeah. uh, we are at the moment, um, and I have to say it's thanks to um, the support of the you know Hong Kong community who have been really fantastic in um, helping with fostering. Um, I mean, you might know that we, we also lost our homing centre, one of our homing centres, so we had to move all of those dogs into foster homes. So we had that situation, all of the puppies we've moved into foster homes, um, whereas normally we'd be able to keep them. Um, so it's it's really a huge ask on top of everything else that we've, we've been um, asking for foster homes for a lot of these dogs that uh, are being given up. And... It's been, the, the the dog lovers in Hong Kong have really been amazing in their response. However, it's, it, it's for now, it's a, because a lot of people have been working from home and haven't had to go to the office. So, of course, they're, they're able to take in a, in a dog. Um, so, as things change, you know, children go back to school and people go back to work in the office. Then, of course, the situation uh, becomes more difficult. But for the moment, we're, I mean, we're at our limits, but we don't like to turn away dogs that are in need. It's not their fault, you know, it's, it's really their victims. Mm.
0: OK, uh, thanks. Uh, we're also now joined on the line by Angel Ho from uh, Fly With Pet. Um, and that uh, is a company which offers uh, private jet services where people can actually fly on a private jet uh, uh, with their pet. If going overseas, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim and Emma. Thank you very much for joining us So um, just looking at uh, some of the uh, costs for uh, sharing a, a private jet and um, um, taking your pet with you i mean we 're talking about can be up to one hundred and seventy thousand from uh, from Hong Kong to London or Europe. Uh, Two hundred and thirty thousand dollars from Hong Kong to the USA or Canada, I mean these are very large amounts of money aren 't they I mean uh, uh, do you find that um, a lot of people are willing to pay that able to pay it
4: right that 's true it's like quite a big amount of money and it might be even more than a first class ticket but, like, but that angel includes
2: includes you you and the dog and a suitcase doesn 't it it 's not just the dog
4: right it 's for the passenger and the pets, and also the luggage allowance for on the private jet so um it depends on like the needs of the owner some like pet owners they are really like great for their pets so because some of them are not really um they don't want them to be in cargo hold on a commercial flight because it might not be very comfortable for the pet so they are willing to pay for this amount to fly comfortably in cabin with the pet.
2: Sounds like you have plenty of doggy commentators there.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
2: Angel, yeah. how does it work? Do the dogs go loose inside the cabin on a lead or are they in their crate or how does it work?
4: So for boarding, by regulation they have to be a crate during boarding until into the cabin so once they are in the cabin after like uh, takeoff they are free to be out of the crate if they want to so it's also one of the great things like why people choose to fly on a private jet because it gives them like uh, flexibility and also they can fly comfortably with their pet like Um, on the net or next to them and they can like walk around in the cabin if they want.
2: Okay, now how difficult is this to arrange? Do you, I believe it's about eight people per jet? Is that what you're working on?
4: Uh, It depends on the destination. If um, they're going to like, um, for example, Southeast Asia, you know, or like in Asia area, so we usually use a smaller jet. So maybe we just need around like four or five person or even less. It depends on the passengers' like, um, needs. Okay. If they are willing to like, share with less people. So um, for like, long haul flight, like to London or to Canada, usually we need um, around eight to ten groups, like eight mm. to ten pets like, on a flight. So give us longer.
2: give us an example of a fare then for a medium-sized pooch, you know, 20 kilos, you plus your suitcase going to, let's say, London. I believe you fly into Farnborough, not London. So what would that be?
4: Right. Usually our destination for London is because I wrote it's not like for passengers. So um, for London, for example, that would be around
0: $185,000. Right.
4: Right, for one person and one pet. And a suitcase. And the suitcase,
0: right. And, and that is one way?
4: Uh, yes, that's mm-hmm. one way. And, and that would
2: be a stop there. in the Middle East on the way?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be a field stop, usually in Dubai or Turkey.
2: For how long? How right. long are you hanging around there?
4: Um, the field stop usually just takes 30 minutes to 60 minutes. So it's not like... Backstop, like, and people stay inside the aircraft so they don't disembark.
0: And what's the level of demand like now, Angel?
4: Um, it depends on the month and season. For example, March we have quite a lot of like demand because like people were worried about you know the testing, and then summer would be another peak season around like um, August before they because some of them might want to go back to start school for Mm -hmm. the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and also like later in the year for year end, like right
0: before Christmas. Right, Uh, I have an email here from listener Bay says, uh, this isn't exactly about the pet relocation topic today, but on pets, uh, how do we know Hong Kong won't take the Shanghai approach to COVID infected animals? The viral video of that corgi getting beaten to death in front of its owner in Shanghai as the owner was being transported to an isolation facility is shocking. And given the recent hamster culling in the city, I just don't know anymore. I have two dogs and a cat. Should we be concerned? Um, Sally Anderson, have you detected a, a, a level of anxiety among pet owners?
3: Definitely. It, mm. It's really been a... Um People are starting to get worried, especially because the government have um, said that they would, they would be allowed to take pets. Um, this happened uh, as a result, I believe, of the, of the hamster um, situation, Hamstergate, yeah. um, and that there was, uh, there was notice put out over social media that you, the government didn't have the right to take your pets, uh, in, in that case your hamsters, because they're property. So I I assume it, it was in uh, response to that that there have been some changes, which means that the governments ha- are now able to take your animals if they feel that it's necessary. Mm. So obviously there's concern.
4: Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, sorry, Anna?
2: That's not a yeah. consoling thought, yeah. is it? Not at
0: all,
2: no. No. It just adds to the general level of of anxiety, doesn't it, if you have a pet and all this business of testing and everything else. So, Sally, are you seeing any particular trends in, uh, you know, people suddenly wanting to go and take their dogs with them, not take them with them? What are you seeing?
3: Well, I think um, that most of the people who adopt, I think, is is a... uh, a greater level of commitment, maybe, than those who have bought their pets. Um, because obviously, when you adopt from an organization, uh, well, I, I'm speaking for HKDR, um, we, we ask questions, you know, we, we require this, we require certain um, levels of care for the dogs. So people have to think much more carefully about adoption rather than just walking into a pet shop or a breeder and buying you know handing over the money and getting the dog so i think for us we're not seeing um the you know our dogs coming back so much as as um as other dogs that are perhaps you know there's sort of a less C-
2: can you just explain to people what happens if they surrender, in inverted commas, their dog to the government, to AFCD? Because I think a lot of people have a sort of naive idea that, that it will be, you know, taken care of. Can you just explain what the procedure is if you surrender your dog to the government?
3: Um, well, if you surrender your dog to the government, um, it's not like the old days where they, they would a- automatically um, put the dog to sleep. That those, are, those days have gone, fortunately. But and every dog will be assessed for its suitability for rehoming, and then if it passes that assessment, um, it's, uh, then it will be the dog will be offered to the uh, the organisations that that are partner with uh, AFCD, the government, um, and to see if they'll take them. Um, uh, unfortunately, because of the situation, I, a lot of the older dogs and uh, you know are not. Not many organisations will take older mixed breeds mongrels. So I, I uh,
0: you've got a lot of a lot, a lot of dog accompaniment in the background there. So. Sorry, you've got a a, a, a lot of dog accompaniment uh, in the background there. So, is is that is that you, Sally, or is that? Yes, uh, it is. Yes. Okay. Right. Sorry,
3: can
0: you say that again? No, it's okay. We we could hear your dogs in the background. It's just remarking on that. That's all. I know that that's always a problem with uh, on phone calls
3: for me. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: okay, Sorry. Sorry. um, I interrupted you. Um, did, Did you finish what you were going to say?
3: Yeah, so, so um, the, you know, it's not automatic that a dog will be put to sleep if you surrender to AFCD. The, the problem the problem is um, we don't have any information. So, for example, a female dog, we don't know if it's been desexed or not, so it will be desexed again or opened up, you know, to find that it's already been desexed. We, we don't know if it's had any of the treatments. It costs us a lot of money to have to do all the checks. Um, and it's, it's um, if we get a dog direct, uh, surrendered directly, at least we can ask the relevant questions. You know, in the same with adoption, we ask questions. If a dog surrendered, we're able to ask questions about health, behaviour and all of those other things which are very helpful.
0: Um, Angel Ho, so your clients, uh, are they mostly taking dogs and cats with them when they go overseas, or are there any other sort of exotic type of pets that they want to move?
4: We also have, like, people want to move their rabbits Mm -hmm. to there.
2: Is that allowed?
4: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on... Of course, it depends on the destination country, but it's possible. But mostly we have, uh, of course, dogs and cats would be the uh, most, like... um,
2: And what's the maximum number of dogs or cats people can take with them to most countries?
4: Uh, It depends on the destination. For example, UK uh, would be five.
2: Five for where? For UK? uh, For
4: UK, yes. But uh, for private jet, with the current regulation, we can only have 10 pets per flight. So that would be the maximum number on each private jet flight at the moment.
0: OK, well, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, on Back Chat this morning. That was uh, Angel Ho from Fly With Pet, which uh, offers uh, private jet services uh, to people wanting to take their pets uh, overseas. Uh, thanks very much to Sally Anderson, who we heard just now, the founder of Hong Kong Dog Rescue. And earlier on, uh, Dr. Jerry Pahl, who's a vet. And he's from Pet Export Vet, a company providing relocation services uh, and also on the executive board of the International Pet and Animal Transportation Association. Um, Email here from uh, Paul Zimmerman, um, uh, who, as you will know, is a regular uh, Backchat co-host. I think we might be uh, hearing from Paul tomorrow as well. He says uh, it's not just difficult to travel with pets. Uh, The summer of 2022 will be very difficult to travel for people from Hong Kong. There are no flights. The cost of the few seats available is very expensive, unaffordable for families. This will turn out to be the third summer Hong Kongers will be unable to enjoy their holidays or meet with overseas family and friends under current uh, COVID rules. It is impossible for airlines to put up more flights to and from. Hong Kong and an email here, which we had uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, uh, from uh, Richard when we were talking about uh, schools going back and uh, some students uh, being barred from uh, activities uh, other than academic uh, activities if they weren't vaccinated. Uh, It says. Richard says, no sport, just study crazy. Um, my kids are schooling at boarding school in Australia and are white water rafting this week without a mask. So there we are. Thanks very much to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to you, Anna. You're welcome. And a quick look at the weather before the news summary and morning brew, mainly cloudy with a few showers. Visibility relatively low in some areas. Hot with sunny intervals during the day. Top temperature around 29 degrees. Light winds. The outlook mainly fine and hot during the day tomorrow and on Friday.